Henry Hansen. Yeah. Is this address, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, sure. Right. I'm gonna be straight with you, Chico. Do you mind if I call you Chico? Uh, people call me Hank. like these you will go to prison because uh, it's a double of the safety brothers good time and Sidley laments before the devil knows you're dead uh really truly a very banger a sad banger but truly a banger of a double and here with me um is filmmaker and host of the amazing um terror table it is mitch oliver hey how's it going Hey, Lindsay. So happy to be back at Schlock and Awe. It's uh, been too long. It has been too long. I've been, I've been, yeah, it's been too long and I'm so happy to have you back. But you've been like super busy. I mean, not only did you move across your country, you made a movie. Yes. Yeah, I made it. We were talking a little bit before uh, yes. we started recording. So <laughs> I apologize if I'm awkward about it now. But uh, yeah, I shot my first short film last summer and moved out to Vancouver and now I'm just trying to keep the movies coming. I'm trying to get my my short film The Druid's Hand off the ground which we, I was just telling you we we're so close to finishing. We're going to be putting a uh, trailer out in the middle of March hopefully, latest end of March. Mm. And we're going to be showing it to our hometown on in June which is like couldn't be more exciting because it's been it's been a process. It's been very rewarding. Mm. It's been uh the struggle has happened but it's all been a part of the the beauty and magic of filmmaking which you know this is my first foray into it but I, i've gotten a really good look at all sides of uh of the process and and i love it i'm in love with it and i'm never going to stop doing it no i hope you don't um just because the way you talk about it you can tell that you're just so excited exhausted inspired yeah. <laughs> all that kind of stuff and all movies are miracles and the fact that you actually made a short film is mind-boggling to me because i'm just like what people actually can do that i i don't know it's um i just think the little magic miracles and the fact that you actually did it is so amazing um so i cannot wait to see it i cannot wait to just like cheer at the screen and be like i know that guy <laughs> well, to my partner you. who will just go yeah. yes and <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah no we're we're hoping to have it on some festival circuits this year so we're gonna start um you know submitting it and into the different festivals that we really want to want to get into and of course i would love to play in australia somewhere because yes. uh, I've, I've made it very clear on both your podcasts and when you've come on the terror table and you know previous episodes of the terror table that i'm i'm heavily influenced by australian filmmakers so um i think this thing you're going to be able to see what i mean uh <laughs> when you see the druid's hand it's yeah. 
I, I, I had plans, you know, once it starts coming together, you start realizing like, okay, uh, so the story that we wrote is, um, it's now on screen, and you can't erase it, it can't go away. <laughs> and uh, it sometimes you're surprised by how dark and nihilistic your own brain can be. And it, you don't realize how bad it is until you're physically watching it. And I'm like, oh, God, I don't, I, I want to make a comedy next. Like, this is, <laughs> this is so heavy, but like I was telling you before it doesn't doesn't look like my next one's going to be a comedy either no it's not and I kind of love that because you do have a very nihilistic taste as we'll get especially with this double as we'll get into um brilliant but um I love because you're the kind of person to go it's a Saturday night I'm going to watch the dark and the wicked let's go let's that's do exactly it yeah <laughs> oh sun, Sunday morning no better time than sip some coffee and watch Requiem for a Dream exactly I mean yeah I mean, yeah, I mean, I just sort of watched Irreversible a couple of weeks ago for the show. And, oh, boy. Um, I'm just sitting there on a Sunday morning going, I feel nauseous. What? There's a fly in the room and there's that humming and the camera won't stop. This is a brilliant That's movie. my shit, though. That's yeah. my shit. I, I love when a film can make you nauseous. And one of these movies that we're talking about today definitely, definitely succeeds at that. Oh, my God, yes. It's just actually both kind of do in very different ways. Like, you just, yeah, one's a gut punch of sadness where you're just like, oh, why are you doing it to yourself? And the other one is... Well, Rob Pattinson running around like a lunatic and you're like, can you stop please interacting with people? All you do is hurt people. <laughs> yeah, you're just a monster. Just yeah, a I monster. love, uh, we'll talk about it more when we're talking about these films, but uh, I love human monsters. I love yes. like really extremely flawed, awful people and yes. watching them watching them meet the different obstacles that uh, that they get themselves into. And it just makes for really interesting storytelling for me. It really, really does. And this double is the epitome of it. Um, but also, I just wanted to touch because also with everything else that you're doing, you're the main host of The Terror Table, um, which is going still strong. I mean, every time there's a new episode popped up, I'm like, yes, or I need to watch that movie quickly, then I can get into it. Um, but no, I've, I've absolutely been um, loving it. So yeah, it, Thank I'm, you. So, I'm yeah. kind of glad that you've kept that up. <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate it. It's, it's been a, uh, it's been a little um, scattered <laughs> recently because we've had, you know, you, it's been very, very busy for all three of us. But uh, when, when, when is this episode going to be up? Do you know? Do you have um, a rough idea? Probably sometime in March, mid-March, I think. Okay, perfect. Mid to late well, March, then, yeah. All right. Well, then now I can, I guess I can tell you because I, I was going to hold off until that episode's out. But Kyle is sadly leaving us. And we just recorded our last episode with him uh, oh, the wow. other day. Yeah, uh, we did. Uh, but the positive side is we covered all five Final Destination movies. <laughs> So it's a it's a real fun episode as we send Kyle off on yes. his final destination because he's yes. dead to us now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope he leaves this world knowing that he is actually a horror fan. <laughs> oh yeah, no, he he definitely became a became a horror fan because of the show and uh, zero negative things. Boozy and I both we have not neither of us have a single negative thing to say about Kyle, and it's totally amicable. And uh, it's just you know he he's going to school right now. He's has some pretty personal things going on and mm. uh, he just I re he respectfully knew he needed to take a step back and we respect that but we don't intend on stopping no no I mean you can't keep boozy away from a microphone I mean that would just be horrible no that's yeah that'd be a tragedy <laughs> and that's a yeah boozy and I we've always we've been the constant of the show and we're gonna keep that going but we are we're in discussions of like we're just gonna keep a rotating third mic on the show so uh, there'll be plenty of more times for Lindsay to join, for Chris Hurtado to join, and Daniel and Matt, and mm. all these fun people that uh, that I've kind of got to know through all of you guys on Twitter. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, Twitter's a usual housecape, but then I got to meet all you guys, so it's got to be a good thing in some ways. <laughs> I hate Twitter so much, yes. and I only keep it because of you guys, yes. and I'm so bad at it because I'm, like, never on it anymore, so mm. it's funny, like, Nathan Jones had sent me a message, shout out Nathan Jones, mm. he sent me a message on Twitter, and I didn't see it for, like, two months, because I'm never, the only time I'll go on Twitter is if I know I'm listening to, you know, inside the sequel or mm. Schlock and R or Cobwebs mm. or Film Feast. And I, I want to, you know, share my thoughts on the episode or tell people I enjoyed it because I enjoy all those shows. But uh, that's like my only interaction with Twitter. I'm much more of an Instagram guy and yes. OnlyFans. Yes. Oh, well, of course. I'm, I totally recommend your OnlyFans. Like... And so I'm funding my film career. <laughs> you see a lot. It's, it's really great. I'm, re I'm surprised how brave you are on your OnlyFans. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Um, and with that, we are going to be getting into this uh, amazing double, uh, starting with good times and then, of course, limits before the devil knows you're dead. Um, and of course, as I like to imagine, we're sitting in a theatre, curtains are opening, because apparently my theatre has curtains, and we're going to be getting into the trailers. Um, Mitch, what is going to be your first trailer for Good Time? Okay, so I'm happy that we're doing two trailers um, yeah. because I actually had trouble narrowing down which ones I wanted to play for each. But yes. uh, I wanted to do a schlocky trailer and then an awe trailer. Mm. But uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do two kind of schlocky trailers for Good Time and two kind of awe trailers for Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. Nice. <laughs> um, but I'm going to kick Good Time off with a trailer of a very nauseating, disgusting, and grimy exploitation film from 2002 called Spun by Jonas Ockerland. Okay, ready? Spoof. Dope. Crank. Creep. Bomb. Spank. Metal uh, fetamines. Call it what you will. It's all methamphetamine. That's what I'm here for. Hey. I'm not hooked. Listen, pussy boy. I'll make you deal. Six months worth of dope. Just give me a ride where I gotta go. So how many more stops do you have to make? Just keep driving, lover boy. Hi! That's a real man. Oh, respect. Nice. Run this over to Spider. You know, actually, maybe the road stops here. I can't give you that ride. <laughs> I need a ride. Oh, I don't know this. Please tell. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. This one it's starring Mickey Rourke, Brittany Murphy, Patrick Fugit, Jason Schwartzman, and Mina Suvari. Mm. And uh, this is a movie I saw way too young. I would have been twelve years old when I saw this. <laughs> but um, Jonas Ackerland, he's been he's kind of a hot and cold filmmaker for me. Mm. Uh, I think Spun was it's interesting. I will tell people like it's gross and it's not going to be for everybody if you want to check it out. But I think it's wild and audacious enough to do some things that you don't see very often and a lot of the, the the energy of good time reminds me of the chaotic editing and nauseation of spun but it's basically the synopsis is a drug dealer introduces one of his customers to who's a speed freak to a man who runs the meth lab and a crazy three-day adventure ensues yes i'm just and, looking at photos of um britney murphy and this looks uh yeah I, 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 exactly what you're saying <laughs> yeah it's wild and i'm not gonna lie i still haven't seen polar which is hmm. jonas's last film I, i've heard some pretty mixed things about it 
but I did see Lords of Chaos in 2018, which was one of my favorite films of that year. It's a heavy metal drama thriller uh, about the the band Mayhem. And I I fucking love that movie. Lords of Um, Chaos is great. Yeah. Yeah. This makes perfect sense now. Because yeah, yeah, Lords of Chaos is one of those movies. I'm like, I shouldn't really be laughing at this movie, but I am. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And I I can't believe I even forgot it because it's been so long. But like the other cast of Spun is crazy. Like Debbie Harry's in it and uh josh peck yeah and i was just looking at the cast before going holy hell they let themselves john, look like yeah, this <laughs> john leguizamo is amazing and this is this is where you get to see mickey rourke play mickey rourke like he's he's the meth dealer um, <laughs> he, he just looks like human leather in this movie it's it's really gross it's one of those very sweaty clearly clearly inspired by requiem for a dream in some ways uh yeah. but more of a it's more of like if we're if you took out the like heartbreak of Requiem for Dream and just included sun soaked nauseation and a mess of doing crystal meth, that's what Spun is. Oh my God. This looks actually, I might have to, tr- yeah, I can watch this on Amazon. So I think I might have to give this a go because I do like, I rec- yeah. yeah, I recommend it. Yeah. Because I do like Lords of Chaos a lot, even though if I haven't seen Polar yet. Um, yeah. yeah. But that looks, um, that looks amazing. Um, yeah, that's actually perfect. Um, okay, so my tray, what am I going to go with? Okay, you know what? I am going to go for an independent movie that was produced by Larry Fessenden. It's the Ooh. director debut of actor and director Anna Encinio, and that is called Most Beautiful Island. It is from 2017. So I get a text from this woman I work for sometimes, mm-hmm. but I can't do it today. Do you want to go in my place? Do you come here alone too? No, with two other models. What happened to them? New York ate them. Take your place with the others. What the hell is this? You wanted money? Here you are. I think it only did a few festivals. I'm not sure how this movie is easy to get, um, but it is about a uh, undocumented immigrant who lives in New York, and it's pretty much how she gets by, um, which is kind of amazing to watch how you have to kind of scam doctors or prescriptions or just kind of how she shoplifts or the jobs that she does until she has to get this one job at the end which goes kind of bonkers. Um, I'm not going to spoil that, but it is a really kind of um, gorgeously ugly movie Um, just because you like good time. You're on kind of the street level New York. There is no kind of beautiful cityscapes. This is um, a person who's literally just trying to survive minute to minute. And it's a a really solid movie. I have not seen this, but it's added to my letterbox watch list right now. Yeah, I mean, you do not see where the ending's going, which is kind of amazing. Even if you think you have an idea when you see what's happening, you're like, did not see that coming. Um, and it's 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 amazing. <laughs> oh wow, yeah, and it's it's available on Tubi here, oh. so I can watch it there. Yeah, so thank you again, Tubi. Yes, thank you, Tubi. You are the talk constant a- savior of where do talk I watch about a, this? That's, <laughs> that's like the film uh, streaming platform for schlock and awe because it's got like some of the best movies ever made on there and then the absolute annals of yes. the deepest floor of <laughs> hell 
It's like someone, wait, someone put a camera in front of this? How? <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Um, I love Tubi, especially because like a lot of Arrow um, and Vinegar Syndrome would just put their movies on there. And I'm just like, going, yep, I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what is your second trailer for uh, Good Time? Okay, so my second trailer is another, what I would call schlocky, sleazy thriller. Yeah. Um, and I, it's going to have to, I'm, I'm just... I'm doing this to give the world's biggest shout out to our friends, Daniel Epler and Matt Bledsoe, because I'm going to be playing Running Scared from 2006. Yes, I thought about this. I try to live an ordinary life, but I run with a very dangerous crew. And it's my job to clean up the messes they make. No questions asked. It was all working out for me. Go wash up. Those hands are scary. The way I figured it, what my family doesn't know won't hurt them. Until that night. The night someone took that gun. You take the ride out. I'm gonna find that gun. Because I got the toughest mob in the world. I'm the law. It's not just any hot piece. Tommy used it to burn a dirty cop. If they find it, I'm dead. Calm down. You can get to it before the cops do. You got something that belongs to me. Snub nose 38. You just scored in a card game. Royal Flush put her in my pocket. This is i love this movie so much and yes i know daniel and matt love this movie as well for good reason because this movie is awesome um i mean oh who plays the step the john way is it peter not peter skarsgård it's peter stormare if you want a sleazy arsehole you get him and he does it so goddamn well i mean oh my god the scene in the house with the freaking pedophiles is that's what yeah that is everybody yeah that's everybody thinks that the first time they think of uh of running scared and rightfully so because that that scene just leaves such a mark on you because it's just so chilling and disgusting watching these um these characters who are like you know putting plastic wrap out on their floor and you know that they're just killing kids in there it's it's so gnarly (laughs) it really is and you don't see that coming because essentially it is about a um what you think is is either a dirty cop or a um just a guy who lives in the criminal underworld trying to get a dirty gun back and then you wind up in that kind of plastic covered multicolored kind of theater room and you're just like what is happening <laughs> yeah no it is it is such a bonkers and wild adrenaline fueled experience of a film and you know it obviously has it's so so different from good time but in a lot of ways it's got the the heavy heavy accentuation on the style of the film and uh all the like grimy lights and just the really greasy characters like you're trying to find one character to kind of root for in this but you don't know who yeah <laughs> um if if anything it's the the little boy who's the inciting incident of yeah. why why this film's even happening in the first place and yeah it, it really v- is Vera Farmiga is fantastic Paul Walker is able to be, show a different side of him that he didn't get to do otherwise like nope. it's yeah, so he's really great in the film too. Everyone's really great. I think because this one kind of came out and kind of disappeared and I love the fact that it's kind of people are really sort of discovering it because it is such a good movie and yeah, I mean it is dark, but it never it sort is, of yeah. stops going. You don't have a chance to it only really lingers on certain things like that's why people even remember the freaking child murderers because yeah. you, you stay with them for quite a while and you're like 
What? And the neon, the neon hockey rink. Oh my god! Like, yes. The, the film it just feels it feels like if Tony Scott smoked a bunch of meth and made a movie. It really does. That is actually the perfect <laughs> description of it. It is he he smoked a bunch of meth and then made a movie, and it would be um, running scared. Uh, yeah, that and I'm not amazing. trying to say Wayne Knight is uh, who's the or sorry Wayne Kramer, not Wayne Knight. Wayne Knight is uh, what's his name from Seinfeld. Yes, he uh, is. Yeah, New- I'm not, not saying. Yeah, not saying Wayne Kramer is. Oh wow, another Seinfeld reference. Jesus. Um, yeah, his name's Wayne Kramer. Not saying he's a meth head. I'm just saying he made a kind of a methy movie. He really which did. Is, it should be a new subgenre. I'm coining that now. Listen out, Hollywood. Methy movies. Methy movies. Because good. If there's one movie that Good Time is, it is a methy movie. Even though there is Absolutely. no meth in this movie, but there's acid. There's oh god, I felt. Oh my god, we'll get into friggin' poor um, Barkid <laughs> Abdi. Misbutchering his name already. Um, okay, I'm actually going to go for a bit of an awe trailer, and um, but I think it kind of suits the vibe of what is happening, kind of. And it is directed by Sidney Lumet, but I'm going to go from Dog Day Afternoon from 1975. Ooh, good choice. Um, you know something, people? You're going to be remembered the rest of your lives for the day you got held up and kidnapped. At approximately 3 p.m. on August 22, 1972, Sonny Wurzik and Sal Naturale entered the first Brooklyn Savings Bank and attempted a robbery. Nobody will get over there! The attempt failed. There's no money here. They picked it up this afternoon. There's only 1100 This is too much. It's for you. What? The police arrived. This is Detective Sergeant Eugene Moretti. What are you doing in there? For the people of the neighborhood, it was a sideshow. Sonny! Sonny! But for Sonny and Sal, the hostages, and the cops, it was a dog day afternoon. I love this movie so much. This might be my favorite favorite Lamette, um, my favorite Opportuna performance. I mean, the way John Cazeal just says, if you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go? And he just goes, Wyoming. It's, it's like just the perfect thing ever. Yeah. And the chaos that... I love that these guys just do not know what they're doing. They think they're going to get in and out. All of a sudden, they're dealing with people. Um, you know, Charles Durning is trying to freaking deal with them. It's, everyone, it's, it's just, it's that mixture between finding fame for what you're doing, having a mess of a life, creating yeah. all this drama that other people have to deal with you. And yeah, and yeah, he made this movie in 1975 about a guy trying to get money for his girlfriend to have a sex change. I mean, yeah. which is Crystal, played by Chris Sarandon, by the way. I mean, yeah. yes, that's all a bit hammed up to a point where you're like, eh, maybe not. But this was made in 1975, and it's an amazing movie and got nominated for Best Picture. <laughs> Rightfully so. And Rightfully so. I just, just want to say you you did me a favor here because I have three trailers for Before the Devil Knows You're Dead, and that was one of them. <laughs> So I can play my other two. Yes. Um, I, I know it seemed kind of lazy doing a Sydney Lament film with a Sydney Lament film, but Dog Day Afternoon is also my favorite, probably neck and neck my favorite of his work. And uh, it's it's an absolute masterpiece. I, I love that movie. I just, I rewatched it last year and uh, it's it's so, so far ahead of its time in, in a lot of ways. And, you know, in some ways it seems problematic, but the way that it was treated was so, it was so earnest and uh, Al Pacino, like that's, I, that's gotta be one of the movies that, you know, really showed how much, how much freaking talent that guy has. I know he had done a bunch before that, but it's, it's a masterpiece. I love that film. I know to go from the Godfather, which Michael Carrione yeah. has such a very stoic kind of feel, then to go to the manicness of 
Dog Day. And it kind of is one of those amazing New York movies that I, because I love dirty crime. Yeah, as soon as you suggested this double, that was the movie I watched was Dog Day again, because I was just like, I'm in that mood for like... Yeah, so... Yeah, yeah so good. Um, it is an amazing movie. And yeah, it's a little bit problematic, but I think it's done with an earnestness that you don't walk yeah. away thinking Chris Sarandon's a freak show. Um, no, absolutely. And like, he that's, is... Yeah, yeah he's a hu she's a human being who's just trying to live her life and her boyfriend is robbing a bank and she's just like going i didn't ask him to do that but okay yeah, yeah no it's it's a classic i i love that movie yeah Great it's, pick. yeah it's absolutely amazing um and with that we're going to be getting into one of the most methy movies ever made yes. probably I, i've got to wonder if like how much meth benny safety and josh safety actually did when they were actually creating this even though i know they probably didn't but it feels like they did um and that yeah. is of course good time so i told you about my brother yeah something happened i don't know exactly what he's been arrested he's being held at rikers island what? oh my god that's awful make me clean. just gotta get him out of there before something bad happens you get killed in there Another ten grand. You get another ten grand, your brother will get out. The truth is an act of love. I think something very important is happening, and it's deeply connected to my purpose. Every day I think about untwisting and untangling these strings I'm in to lead a pure life. Mitch, did you see this when this came out? Yeah, I saw it the year that it came out. I, I didn't see it's a home video, unfortunately. But uh, when I did eventually get to it, I, it was just like instantly, instantly my favorite film of the year. Mm. Um, so yeah, when it came out in 2017, I just I, I fell in love with this movie. And mainly the style of filmmaking that these brothers have. And I know that it's not for everybody. I know some people like to like to drag uh, their style of filmmaking, you know, because, you know, Uncut Gems didn't work for a lot of people. Sorry, mm. Uncut Jam. Uh, Uncut Jam. <laughs> Uncut Jam. This, this is basically why I think Josh Safdie was using meth, was that TikTok clip. Yeah. I was just like, oh, Uncut Jam. Like, I, I fucking love Uncut Gems as well. And it's tough for me to choose which one's my favorite out of the two. But uh, Good Time was what the movie that really showed me what, it gave me Robert Pattinson and uh, you know, I, I, I was never norm. I wasn't like a hater of Robert Pattinson. He just wasn't really on my radar because he didn't make films that were really for me, but I, it was, you could see his talent at least. And I think this movie is the one that really showcased what he's capable of. And um, he's, he's just a force in this movie and he he's tasked with so many difficult things to tackle. And I think he absolutely obliterates the role like he's he's explosive at, at the risk of sounding like we one of those douchey um variety writers or something <laughs> like yeah. he's, oh. he's got an explosive performance but he kind of does um because i saw this on netflix a few years later because you kept hearing about oh no you need to watch good time you need to watch good time and yeah. the moment pattinson um comes into the movie the whole movie changes and it's only like two minutes because the first thing you're with um benny Safdie playing nick with his um, psychiatrist doctor just talking. Um, Cause if yep. you don't know, the whole movie is about 
two brothers, one who is intellectually um, disabled or um, and um, our pets, who's a sociopath. Um, yeah. And you're just, you're just with Benny. He's very calm. He's just very still. And then all of a sudden, our pets, sorry, got uh, uh, Robinson, um, uh, not Robinson, God damn it. Um, he walks into the room and all of a sudden there's quick camera like movements. And he just, he's the kind of guy that every time he walks into a room, there is drama. He is just creating chaos. He's yelling at the doctor. He's yelling at Nick. He's telling him to come on. He's upset that he's crying because he's remembering a bad memory, which is what happens when you're in therapy. Um, it's just all of a sudden there's 16 different things happening. And every single time you're watching him, there is 16 things happening constantly. Cause he's, he's, he's reacting to people or he's making people react to him is probably the better way of saying it. And then all of a sudden he just gets his brother and they're like, yeah, we're going to rob a bank. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> it's moves so fast. Cause all of a sudden now you're in, um, Connie's point of view and Connie has a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> yeah it's extremely flawed oh my god um yeah the fact that you're just he kind of does this he does this weird balancing thing where you can see these moments of kindness and you can tell he generally cares about his brother but he's yeah. so selfish that he's literally pulling him out of his um appointment early so they can rob a bank this is yeah. not like i'm upset that he's upset it's like no 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 i need him to be fine because i need to go do this thing Absolutely. I, I think that's like one thing I didn't even realize because I know initially what happened when we were discussing doing this specific double is it's kind of like brotherly heist films. Um, but there are so many things in common with this with these two films in, in general. And uh, one thing that I really picked up on rewatching the both of them recently is the difference in upbringing for both of these characters in both movies you see mm. a completely polar opposite side to to each of them like if before the devil if before the devil knows you're dead is the yang to good times yang it and is. i think that it's really interesting seeing the environments that these characters have had to grow up in like you know and before the devil knows you're dead they're kind of privileged people who never really had to work before but now they're trying to take care of their i know i'm jumping a bit ahead but oh, they're yeah. they're trying to keep living their lavish lifestyle that they think that they're entitled to deserve mm. and then good time you don't see their their families you just see these brothers who clearly have you know the odds of were stacked against benny safty's character uh, nikki from the get-go because mm. he was he was born with a disability and his older brother is someone who can can't take care of himself let alone let alone his brother or someone with any any sort of disability and i think it's just so interesting how you see the total opposite ends of the spectrum with these two films you really do. And considering this is the Safdie's first movie and Before the Devil Knows You Dead is Lamette's last movie. Um, it is... Yeah, yeah. it's this I, amazing... I didn't even think about that. That's Oh, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, and Lamette's still directing a movie like he's 25. It's kind yeah. of... Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Just like you're, like, you know, like 70s or 80s me making this movie. Um, yeah. But it's... Yeah, this movie, you can tell everything's stacked against them and you really the person you'll really have most sympathy for is Nick. It's Benny Safdie. Yeah. Um, because everything Pattinson does is horrible. But at the same time, you can kind of tell that he's bringing it all on himself as well. Yes, he, he had all the odds stacked against him, but he's never the type of person, his whatever positive reinforcement he got 
was chaos. It's like, oh, I can control yeah. people by just flinging them in situations where they don't know where they are and they just end up flailing and then I can kind of come up on top. Um, yeah. every he's a watch, roach on society. He's like, a roach on society. Like I was, and he what, he even yeah. mentions that too. He he projects that onto another character later in the film. Oh, he does. And and it's uh, it's just it's absolutely brilliant writing. Like that's the one thing I really took away. The first time I saw Good Time, I just loved it because it was so high energy, and I felt mm-hmm. sick and wheezy while I was watching it, and and it was just totally my jam. But it was this time around that I was like, Good God, can they write a script? They really can. And it's for both um, Uncut Gems. Because I think whichever movie I see is my favorite out of these, uh, of those two movies. Um, but I do remember not recommending this movie, but I kept recommending Uncut Gems to people. And I would just get this, why did you say that I should watch this movie? <laughs> um, even my partner yeah. was like, can they stop yelling? And I'm just like, no, because they're making that's terrible. The point. That's the point. Yeah. They, they're yelling. Um, and he, he goes, my anxiety levels, I can't, I can't take this. Um, oh, it, and that's the thing too, is I, yeah. I'm, uh, it's really ironic that I love horror films so much. And my second, like my favorite subgenre outside of horror is crime thrillers. Like mm. it's just, I've always been attracted to them and it does stem back to like, I'm, I'm diagnosed uh, d- with depression and anxiety and ADHD. Like the, I got a whole stack, uh, stack of mental, like, you know, um, not mental issues, just things that yes. uh, make me who I am, the chaotic mess that I can be. And these movies, like, I shouldn't technically like watching them, but it's like, they're the ultimate therapy for me, especially uncut gems. Cause you're list- you can't think about anything else when it's everyone else is screaming and they do the same thing in good time, which I noticed this time around with the score and like the sound mix is they trick the audience's heartbeat to raise and lower whenever they want it to. Yeah. And it's so brilliant. No, because I, because since I watched um, Irreversible so close to watching this, I was like, oh, they've seen Gaspar Noé because Gaspar Noé does the exact same yeah. things. Like he can know oh, he, yeah. he knows when to raise and lower your heartbeat and your anxiety. And I think yeah, I've also been diagnosed with depression, anxiety. Maybe should be di- uh, tested for ADHD. I don't know. Oh, you got to just... get on that, girl. It's the best. I I, I <laughs> could be just making shit up. I don't know. Um, but someone said something to me. I'm like, that sounds really familiar. Um, I will say, I had I had no idea up until like two years ago. I was like, boy, oh boy, would this news have been you know really useful <laughs> when I was in high school or elementary school. Like, There's a reason why I was up to three in the morning getting shit. Exactly. Still, I still up to three in the morning getting shit done. Um, yes. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's very. It's very. very very common for adults to be undiagnosed so everyone go 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 get yeah. checked out yeah so it's kind of and i have that similar thing to movies like good time i'm sitting there and everyone's shouting and there's so much anxiety i can't think and i like that and i like this about this movie but there are moments like the a moment you refer to when he's projecting something on to another character which is maybe the best speech in the movie because you realize yeah. he's talking about himself um, yeah. And it's so still. It's when he goes completely still. And those moments when he's just watching people is the creepiest parts of the movie. Because um, yeah. usually he's all talking. He's talking fast. He doesn't stop moving except when he's watching you. And it's so goddamn creepy. It's like when he's watching, um, uh, didn't think I wrote his name down, that guy, um, the guy he kidnaps from hospital accidentally, which we were right, going to. Right. Yeah. Um, he's watching him from the back of the car or he's watching um, poor... Talish Webster just looking at her um when he's sussing things out and it's it's usually from a weird angle but he's just look you could just see his eyes just zone in and you're just like oh god um he's paying it you 
Connie is not a character who you want him to pay attention to you because he's thinking about how he can screw you over is pretty yeah. much what he's doing. And it's so amazing. It's that whole thing of it's, it should be a moment where your heart's going beats going down, but it's not, it's going up because he's watching, yeah. kind of watching like a predator and it's, he's always in control. He's and always it's in kinda, control. Yeah. It's kind of like you're the audience and the, everyone that he interacts with. It's like, it's like you're stuck in the backseat of a car with a drunk driver. Mm. And like, that's just kind of like how it feels for me is that he's so, he's so manipulative and de deceiving. And uh, it's, it's a really interesting dichotomy with him and then everyone that he interacts with, especially his brother. But you, you mentioned something. I hope I don't, um, I hope I'm not cutting you off here, but uh, one thing that I love about the film that it, it, it explores two things that are generally known to be very, very problematic when filmmaking. And that's, uh, you know, a sexual relationship with someone underage. Yep. That's very uncomfortable. There's been a lot of discussions about that with licorice pizza. Mm -hmm. And then there's another side is the characters. It's, it's just generally looked down upon for non-disabled actors to play characters with a disability. Yes. But I think that both of these things are, handled very very well in this mm. movie and they're proven to have a reason i don't think benny safty was even remotely um what's the what's the word i'm like it what it, it didn't it didn't offend me but also i'm not the demographic to say if, it, if it's done right or not but i feel like especially by the closing credits of the movie you see such an earnest reason as to why they made that decision and why he was playing that character and i think he he handled it very respectfully he he did um because when the first when i first watched this movie and realized benny safety was playing nick i was like oh okay this yeah, is gonna uh -oh. get uh -oh. i am sam alert oh uh, yes i am sam alert <laughs> and he doesn't go there the only thing i would have said is i think he makes nick a little bit too dead-eyed especially when you yeah. compare him to um other because they do show him in the class of other intellectually disabled people and their eyes are bright. Their eyes are lively. They're, they've got things yeah. going on. They are happy. They are joyful. But then you realize that Nick's never had been able to have that chance at life. No, He's never been he able hasn't, to be happy. Yeah. He's, he's starting to realize every little piece of his life is coming together in front of him as he's yes. do, they're doing that exploration of, you know, walking from side to side yes. when something, when you relate to something, it's, yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And then I think the other, like the flip side to that coin as well with the the sexual relationship, we don't like Robert Pattinson. We're not Dude. rooting for Robert Pattinson. He's a piece of shit. And it's like the him reaching in to, to kiss Crystal, the underage girl, he's doing it to cover her for the, his faces on TV. And yes. that whole scene to me is so interesting because it's showing a lot of how they're just sitting there watching the news and they're seeing all this like violence that's inflicted by police and other people, mm. but they're not listening to what it's saying. They're, they're talking over and they're just absorbing what's in front of them. Yes. And that's such an important thing for why, what makes these characters. So, you know, kind of down on their luck and uh, not well-informed. No, I mean, um, display does not equal endorsement and when you see Pattinson go over to kiss her it's not a moment of oh sweet people in love it's like mm -hmm. oh god what are you you are awful it's not yeah um it's not that and you're right that I love the point you made about them watching the tv and especially when they flip the channel to the dogs and they're obviously in a pound this is not a good situation for the dogs and all she can say is oh dogs I love dogs and it's like that's not the reaction I'm watching that going that someone needs to bring those dogs to a forever home and give them a whole bunch of treats and air scratches. Um, she's yeah. looking at them going, oh, I like dogs. 
Um, and you're right, they're not informed. They haven't had the chance of um, where they can actually uh, learn. Learn, yeah, yeah because they've they, been so yeah. beaten down by whatever circumstances that they've had terrible parents who also cannot get their shit together who are probably abuse i mean she's obviously in a foster home he's probably grown up uh, connie's probably grown up in foster homes you really get that sense that it's yeah, only been and, the brothers um and so the added touch yeah. the added the added touch of uh seeing connie like robert pattinson's character's relationship with his girlfriend who's played by jennifer jason lee yes who is like you look at the age difference there and you start to just see how people can be so the, the confused yes. and um, not really have moral standards or live by any sort of moral compass and not saying that like there's nothing wrong with someone having you know if you're in if you're both adults or consenting adults that's fine but it's very different with uh, his relationship to crystal which isn't really a relationship he's just using her yes but it just shows how delusional these people are Oh, I know. Jennifer Jason Leigh is, I forgot she was in this movie. I'm like, how did I forget she's in this movie? I know. She... How can we forget Jennifer Jason Leigh? I did the same thing. Yeah. I'm like she's in this movie. Um, but no, she has the emotional intelligence of Robin Pattinson and she's a clearly older woman, um, yeah. who obviously has her own issues and Pattinson's just saw her and goes, oh, I can use her. She has her access to her mother's credit card. Um, and that's the first thing he does. It's he, he, you know, and she's screaming at her mother who knows Pattinson's no good, but she just doesn't have that emotional intelligence to go. Actually, this kid is using me. Um, even when he brings her to the bail bondsman and is kind of like, Oh, you told me it was 2000. Oh no, no, just put it. It goes, no, it's fine. Just yeah. put it on your mother's credit card. It's, you can see, I love how this movie shows you how clearly the, uh, Robert, uh, Connie is using people, but the characters just don't know because they are so, broken people that he knows how to use broke he knows how to use broken people even when he realizes he's busted out the wrong guy from hospital instantly yeah, how can i use this guy <laughs> yeah absolutely and it's also because he like he is a broken person himself yes. he just he actually he might be a little more intellectually complex than most of the people around him because mm. he's had no choice but to live that life and you know some people obviously the people around him did as well but there's some of them like the the people who can be truthfully manipulative are he he has he's he's not a dumb person no he's just a, a pro product of his environment and uh, I think it's such an interesting con like there's so many interesting things about his character and everyone that he interacts with he really is I, I he kind of almost changes personality when he needs to like um my favorite moment is when he's waiting in the next hospital room waiting for the cop to go away who's guarding what he thinks is his brother. Yeah. And then the woman wakes up going, who's there? And he gives her some juice, which is a, such a sweet moment, but it is literally to keep her quiet. And yeah. he, he can read a room. He knows if he needs to go violent. He needs to know if he goes big. He needs to know if he needs to con. Um, and it's, you're right. He's kind of a product of his environment and you can tell that he's very smart. He knows how to, but he's also got a really strong emotional intelligence. Keep using this word emotional intelligence. Um, but it's to read people, um, yeah. because he's had to learn, I need to know what people are thinking really quickly. So I know how to work the situation either just to survive as a kid or to get around things he needs to, when he's a grown up. And he is kind of the smartest person in the room, um, only for sheer, like even lying to the bus drivers. Like I was told there was three yeah. stops. No, I, I called, ah, dispatch. It's like, he's so, he knows, he knows exactly what angle to work. 
even he's though he's so good at being a roach he like is a, so an absolute good insect a, an insect yeah. and he knows that's he realizes that's his place in society yeah. and he knows it's kind of like yeah something something that's become really common in this day and age too is i'm not saying this is the case every time but the word gaslighting gets thrown around a lot and yes. one thing is lots of times the people who are accusing people of gaslighting are the ones doing that because they they know exactly what they're doing and they know how hurtful it could be to you know they're they're gaslighting them by gaslighting them if that makes any sense oh no they're absolute oh god i had a boss who used to do that all the freaking time you're like say something and she'll just like get i'm like don't tell me yeah. i'm gaslighting you what yeah it is so kind of thing and i love how he just works the room and again going back to that sort of final speech when he's projecting he knows he's going back to prison um he's known that from the moment he decided to rob the bank but it's more just trying to keep how long he can keep the con going on for before he gets caught again i mean the fact that he um knocks out Bakhir abdi who's the security guy at um adventureland and then instantly takes on the role of security guard yeah and, and also shout yeah. out him because i'm, a, I'm really excited really happy he was able to get another role because he he was fucking tremendous in captain phillips and so was one good. of those people who you know that he fits such a small little demographic of what what he's what people are going to think he can play and i was really hoping to see more of him by now but because he's so so good as a he, somali pirate and captain phillips and yeah and he's given this really it's a small role it's only a security guard but he does it so well because this is a guy yeah. going look i can see you i know you're there just come out i'm trying to like i'm trying to get through the night and do my job like this these yeah i mean people who get conned and scammed are never or they can be the very wealthy but most of the time they're people who can't afford it um yeah. because they're the ones who have to do the quick loans or the quick score or the kind of thing just to get through the next to the next point and yeah that's what patterson's kind of working on i still can't believe him they gave him that much lsd i was like when i forgot that he pulled the bottle right into his head i'm just like <laughs> oh no i know it's like as as if this can't get more chaotic they're just now we're gonna fuck with some lsd like christ i know when the lsd comes into it i'm like this movie doesn't need the lsd but we have it and it's made that whole story he tells it's just like oh the excess i love it oh it's, it's amazing the it's so nuts yeah it's like they're just holding a it's in a sprite bottle of all things and i'm just like yeah, dirty sprite dirty sprite it's just <laughs> oh my god and then he just pulls a glug of it in his mouth i'm like Aren't you just meant to take a drop of this shit? Shit. Yeah. No, it's, oh God, it's so wild. And, and like, it, this movie's an hour, it's like an hour and a half. That's the quickest hour and a half ever. Because um, you're just feeling like, you're, like you're, you're just stuck in the situation with them. And I think that's, that's a sign of masterful filmmaking. It really is. It feels like it's real time and it's not because it's over like yeah. two days, I think, the actual movie. Yeah. But it feels actually you're watching things in real time as just they just play out um but it's kind of um amazing but i do actually the point i, I keep saying is this, i keep saying he's the smartest man in the room i don't think he is because he does steal the wrong guy from hospital yeah, for <laughs> which sure. is kind of amazing the moment when he realized i forgot how funny this movie can be like at some points i need to like pause and go oh god he's he's gonna try and have sex with a 15 year old girl or he's um there's something else really awkward moment where i'm just like going, oh god no but I know, then yeah. His reaction when he realizes that it's not his brother is the best thing in the world. He is like, the hospital fucked up. It's like, oh no, no, you fucked up. <laughs> yeah. You did not check. I and mean, it's like, how did you know that was not your brother? They're completely different body types. <laughs> it's yeah. like face off. 
no. okay yeah it is like face off <laughs> yeah it's he he's he is like you said he's the he's the smartest man in a group of idiots mm. until he's not until, until he's, he's not. in a hospital yeah <laughs> i just randomly take this guy out wait you're not my brother yeah. and then the first thing the guy wants to do after he realizes he's been kidnapped is like oh i've got to make a few phone calls because i took yeah. a lot of lsd <laughs> i don't know what i did it's like oh it's you- it's so funny watching people who are so clearly trash but are so obsessed with themselves and so narcissistic and he's he's like like one of my favorite quotes in the whole movie that he says is i think something very important is happening here and it's deeply connected to my purpose it's like one of the most narcissistic things ever just spliced into this high adrenaline fueled thriller right i think it's beautiful yeah, you, it's the kind of the moment when he's kind of believing his own bullshit. It's amazing because yeah. I know that apparently um, the Safdies kind of vaguely based him around Manson um, or Charles Manson. Oh, um, I didn't even know that. Yeah, I mean, it's just that kind of guy who thinks he has this high purpose. He can kind of con people really easily and he's just kind of like sees himself as this weird messiah, even though he's just a dirty criminal um, yeah. who obviously deals with way too much LSD, though he never takes it. Um, and <laughs> it's... It, yeah, and he's kind of thinks he's got that hold over people. I don't think he does. I just keep he just keeps forcing his hand, like the yeah. fact that he forces himself into this poor woman's home with this bandaged up. And she, I mean, there's all five kinds of wrong. But if you're in a situation where, oh, I just need to use your phone. I, I don't have one. I just need to do this, this, and this. Um, and then all of a sudden you're staying the night. I can see how that would happen so easily. Like because you just said yes to one thing. All of a sudden you're saying yes to like six different things, and now you have these two people in your house and you don't know who they are yeah no it's so so grimy and it's like it's so new york too like i I love i love the dedication that they took to to making this as as new york as they could like they even included one of the it blew my mind the first time i saw it is Mm. do you know who the rapper and of course i really hope you don't know who this is but do you know who necro is no i don't okay well he's one of the the main characters he's he's always seen wearing a big puffy uh um what's the like cam camouflage jacket it's kind of a i think he plays caliph or caliph um, okay. oh yes yes yeah yeah he he's known as like i grew up listening to necro which is really disturbing because when you go back and listen to his stuff now it's like oh my god like how was i listening to it like if people think eminem was a bad influence on kids like there was so much worse out there and necro and ill bill they were called oh. they were like horror core rappers and would like rap about the most disgusting things and like it, it was just edgy but like they're very talented but he's widely known as like one of like he's like a Brooklyn rapper that was very underground and mm. a part of this really seedy um, scene uh, of people. And yeah. so he fits so well into this movie without having to do anything. He didn't have to change his personality at all. <laughs> he just goes in and goes, hey, I'm being myself. Let's let's make yeah. some dirty Sprite. Um, no, yeah. it's, it's um, yeah, because I just realized, yeah, he is one of the main characters. It's, um, but the Safdies do that a lot with their casting. I mean, this feels very uh, Larry Cohen in the sense that they didn't ask for permission to film certain things. I mean. Yeah, totally. The chasing. And even, and, and, yeah, so they're just like, we're just here. And yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, and I think and it's the same thing with, uh, same thing with Julia, uh, Julia Fox and Uncut Jam. I was Josh Safdie's muse when he wrote Uncut Jam. Right. Yeah, Uncut Jam. <laughs> She, he was my i love that thing he was my muse i'm being very polite very professional and then just cuts to josh and i'm like what are you <laughs> yes, oh, you are definitely I, I, don't, a chance. 
<laughs> I don't. Was that that wasn't Josh Safdie, was it? Oh, I thought it was just. I don't even know what Josh Safdie no, looks I, like. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think that was just a, a troll on the internet making fun of the way she says uncut jam. <laughs> She's like, I'm got jams. I got jams. I love Julia Fox. I mean, they <laughs> Me do that too. a lot. They yeah. um they take these people who are just kind of part of New York, um, whether it be the police officers. I love the fact that the story apparently when they're chasing them through the shopping center, um, they didn't know it was Rob uh, Robert Pattinson. Like he apparently could just stay in character, and no one knew it was the guy from Twilight. Yeah, um, no kidding. Yeah, it doesn't look like, yeah. And then, um, but the cops, they, they actually got real cops to chase them. And apparently the people were trying to stop the cops from chasing the guys. They kept body blocking them. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, fuck. I, I didn't know any of this. Yeah, because they just didn't ask for permission. They just rocked up on the mall and said, okay, you run, you chase, we'll, we'll follow you with the camera. And Oh my they, God, that's so awesome. I love that. And New York being New York, they didn't, yeah, they had guys going, you're not going to catch that guy. Um, oh my god yeah and i'm well because clearly clearly i've never read like the imdb trivia but the the scene where connie enters the hospital is shot in an active emergency room with real patients yes. like that's fucking wild that's insane and it's like how did you get away with that it's like when larry colin was making um friggin um god made me do it it's just they oh just yeah put what's his yeah. name into a middle of a pol actual police parade on thingy i'm like how do you how, how are you getting you, away with this how are you getting away with this but that is so very a24 of you very A24 of you. Um, <laughs> I know A24 wants that as much as I love A24. They want to create that feeling, but you know they're permitted up to the friggin' eyeballs. Um, oh, yeah. But it's, yeah, but that feels like actual New York filmmaking. New York has this amazing, which I know you've got your Scorsese's who get permits and close down friggin' Fifth Avenue and all that kind of thing, but there's this kind of sense of independent New York filmmaking where you just take a camera out on the street and you see what happens. And this is good time. They actually did it with the guy who was super famous because he was in Twilight and Harry Potter. He's a pretty boy. He's a very pretty boy. Not He's still <laughs> kind of pretty in this movie, but they really scruffed him up. Oh, yeah. Um, they make him they make him greasy. Like, I, I hate yeah. to say this, but I, I, I know him in real life. Like, I know a couple people. Like him, it's unfortunately I've just I've always been in environments where I'm I know a lot of people and uh, I've seen I, I know this guy and uh, I'm not gonna name names but like fuck these people exist it's awful. <laughs> yeah, you you get a sense when those kind of guys enter a room and you're just like, oh god, I I need to leave. Hide my I, wallet. Hide yeah. my wallet. I need to go. I'm I'm not gonna be dealing with it, whatever bullshit you're gonna be conjuring up this time because they always have bullshit. There's never yep. just, oh, they can yeah. never just always walk a sob in, story. Always a sob story. They can never just walk into a room. It always is. I need, I need, need you to react. I need something and I need you to react to me. Um, yeah. And it's such a, oh, Scotty's so good in this. Apparently this got him Batman. I, like I'm just reading IMB trivia. So who knows whether this is all oh, actually really? true. But yeah. Um, That's Matthew awesome. Cause I, I cannot wait for him to play Batman. Yeah. And I love the idea that Matthew Vaughn saw this performance and went, that's my Batman. I'm like going, ooh, that actually makes me want to see that's Batman. That's yeah. If that's the energy you want for your Batman, your hero, I'm just like, I kind of want to watch Batman a bit more than I did now, um, because it's gonna maybe have that him going around town causing havoc, but just with these big Batman characters uh, actually seems really interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it's I can't get over his before no this movie rides and dies on Pattinson but he holds it so well um just the way he holds his face I mean he must have been very airy to film with because he probably just would have stayed in character 
but yeah. just like oh but it's so so good like you're watching a train wreck in kind of a, in an hour 30 or 90 minutes but you mm -hmm. cannot take your eyes away from it and i love the you ending. can smell him you can totally <laughs> smell him and he smells so gross even when yeah, it like, smells like a recycling depot's floor oh when crystal's like <laughs> kissing him i'm like that's not gonna taste good no no <laughs> Is not but a she good probably, idea. she's too young to know what it's supposed to be like exactly and it's a yeah. it's a it's a guy showing you attention and when you're 15 years old you're not thinking about this is See, a good and idea and we have exhibit a of trauma yes exactly yeah. you're you just like oh he's paying me attention therefore it's good it's like no 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 that's that's not what this is this is he doesn't want to see you uh, he doesn't want to see you looking at the TV at his his um, his face, but I love the moment when it's kind of again happens when he's in the uh, apartment with um, uh, LSD boy, um, yeah. and he he doesn't hide it. He just kind of goes, oh, "Okay, fuck," and the guy just looks at him and goes, "Yeah, that makes sense." Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah. Well, I'm happy to hear it. it's it sounds because I didn't actually know if you liked this movie mm. or not. Uh, so it sounds like you like it. No, I really love it. And watching it again, I liked it even more. And I was sort of noticing, yeah, I was blown away when I first saw it because it was such a crackling movie. Like it just doesn't stop. And I was just sitting there going, oh yeah, this is good. This is really, really good. I can't wait to see what the safeties do. And then they make, um, Anka Jam. Anka Jams. Um, <laughs> and it's. So, and they somehow nail it again. And they like somehow they nail it again. And they get. It's like so similar, but so different. Yeah. And I love how they put like actors, like professional actors, like Adam Sandler. Yeah. Can give this kind of performance. We've seen it before, you know, and he, but he's in with guys like, yeah, when and he's doing the interview thing and he's like, yeah, no, those guys were actually strangling me in the car. Like, um, yeah. I had to like tap to go, can you stop killing? You need to hold. It's like, guys, you need to hold back a little bit. And they just wouldn't because they were guys who lived in Jersey or wherever and kind of lived that lifestyle. So when you're actually yeah. strangling someone in a car with your elbow, you're actually strangling some guy in a car with an elbow. And I think it's, you, it's important. Like it's, it's, important. it's tough. Like, uh, but you got to find people who are willing to do it and do it under safe circumstances. But like, that's a, that's a, what the audience can tell when something's forced or faked. Like I'm not, I'm not saying bring live guns onto sets, but I'm saying like when you're doing those human interactions with people, like, there's a reason Sam Raimi's throwing the girl and drag drag me to hell all over the room. <laughs> oh, there's a reason why he keeps poking, uh, what's his name, with a stick when he's uh, sprained his ankle by trying to do something. And he's just like, yeah. you're my best friend, Bruce. I'm just going to poke you with a stick just so you know it hurts. He's like, I hate you so much, yet you are exactly. my best friend. Um, yeah. No, it's, it's... I'm excited it's... to see who they're going to cast for 48 hours because I know that's their next film. Yeah, um, and I, me too, because you've got to go act, I mean, act... People know what they're getting into now. I mean, Pattinson was just like, yeah, I'm making an indie movie. I'm kind of doing the acting I want to do. Adam Sandler was probably like, yeah, this sounds like a fun thing. This could, you know, I actually do want to do this 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 um, this um movie and it's going to be amazing. I, yeah, I kind of want to see who they cast because you know it's going to, they do so interesting casting and just yeah. throw them it's on like, the street and see how they go. <laughs> yeah, it's like how Aronofsky casts a Brendan Fraser in his next movie and I'm like, that's the kind of balls I like seeing, like yes. for lack of better words. Like I like seeing people take swings like that with characters that, if we we know that they're they they can do more than what we've seen, and oh, you know, like, Sandler proved it, Pattinson proved it, um, even Mickey Rourke I think proved it with the wrist wrestler yeah, speaking of totally, Aronofsky, totally, um, yeah. and that movie 
I've only seen that movie once. It's a masterpiece. I've only seen it once. So yeah. It's one of those Aronofsky's. One of those ones. I'm like, oh, I've seen that. That's good. Uh, I'm now very sad. I need to go yeah. hug a puppy. Um, I'm a glutton for punishment, so I, I obsess over his movies. And you know, it's it's funny because I, I I didn't even mean to make that correlation, but like mm. he he's one of those Aronofsky's a director who's rightfully so been uh, known to be like pretentious or whatever. But now. Now people are saying that about Benny and Josh Safdie. And I, I just don't, I, like, I don't understand how people are saying that they kind of make, they, they've been accused of making like bro movies. And I'm like, that's, if you think that you're missing the point. like No, it was so. like, there was a whole thing. This is probably why you're not, good thing you're not on Twitter, but some with people calling Robocop, um, uh, pro cop movie. Um, oh Cop-a-ganda. my God. And I'm like, fucking, oh my God. It's like, have you seen? <laughs> Thank God. It's like, not ha- on Twitter. Yeah, it's like, have you seen that movie? That, yeah. No, it's the that antithesis is... of what Robocop is, you fucking morons. That Jesus. is what, what are you doing? You did not have seen this movie. Have you seen the sequel? Because yeah. you could probably say that, but not for the original. It's the, and it's the same thing with Fight Club. Like, it's the people calling that like an incel movie or that it's a bro movie. It's just like, no, you, this is, this is so much more is. than that. Yeah. yeah, and I think the same It's making is... fun of people who have that fucking stance on it. Oh, yeah. Like, it's, same... it's pretty funny. Scorsese gets that as well. Oh, he's glamorizing yeah. gangsters. Like, have you seen those movies? Wolf of Wall Street, you're not meant yeah. to look at Leo and going, oh, you're amazing. You're a douche nozzle. That is kind That's of the... the Yeah, the that only the problem point. with that one, and I love that movie, and I entirely agree. The only difference is, though, that, that people, there are unfortunately idiots out there who think he's cool, who... Oh. who they like him and they're like oh i'm gonna like i know people who got into stocks after that movie oh, i'm like no. you you did not learn the lesson <laughs> like, and no but i think there's unfortunately just a very small group of dirty people who do not wash their hair who look at connie yeah. and go yes yes that, that you're cool and i'm like you're like that is not what you're meant to get out of this movie i no i think no. you these are not broy movies you're not meant to look at adam sandler and go i think you're making all the right choices because yeah. no you're meant to watch and go oh God, you just made that choice. Um, you're a mess. You're yeah. a mess. Stop betting. You owe too much money. What are you doing? And there's a reason why Julia Fox walks and give away with Julia her. Fox my number, please. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, just the most beautiful, oh, beautiful woman. Yeah. Like, we'll get Thank into God it. she's a, not good not with Kanye anymore. I'm very happy about that. Yes. Um, it's just, it, yeah, it's, it's an insane kind of thing. And then of course it doesn't help well no i don't think these movies are pretentious and i i love the fact that benny safety just rocks up and licorice pizza and i'm watching it for 15 minutes going is that benny safety yeah <laughs> um it's it's kind of yeah i love how the fact they become part of the sort of the film scene but to say these movies are pro broy is like missing the point completely yeah. um yeah um display does not is not condonement and you were yeah. not meant to condone anything that is happening in any of them absolutely movies. No, um, I, I totally agree. And the last thing that I personally have to say on uh, Good Time is that I need to correct myself because I think I made it sound like Josh and Benny Safdie wrote the movie, but mm. it's uh, Josh Safdie and Ronald Bronstein, who yes. he, the two of them wrote Uncut Gems together as well and are doing 48 Hours together. But I know Benny's really involved with the sound mixing. Yeah, he, um, also, gets so, a, yeah, he also gets a credit for um, editing Good Time as well. Yeah, yeah. Which... No, they, they're both just so freaking talented. Yeah, you're watching the editing of this movie going, this is really well edited. This is, yeah, the sound mix is yeah. amazing because it's got that kind of really uncomfortable music. And then the way, um, uh, I didn't write the cinematographer down, but the, the way she, uh, the way they use red light is yeah. really great. It's like, 
nightmare fuel. Like you, he keep they keep throwing these little nightmare aspects in it. And yeah, this movie is yeah. This, I could probably go on and talk about it because it's an amazing, amazing movie. But we probably should get into another movie where I could also spend three hours talking about. Yeah, that's gonna be it's gonna be tricky. Yes. <laughs> don't, don't want to make people listen to a three hour episode, but uh, I yeah. think we covered that one very very tightly. Yes. It was a good it was a good time. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was a good time. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, and with that, we're going to be getting into, well, another masterpiece by a guy who made lots of masterpieces. Um, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. Uh, Mitch, uh, what trailer would you show for this movie? Okay, so since I can't play Dog Day Afternoon, mm -hmm. which is totally fine. I'm just yep. happy that it, it had some representation here. I am going to play another heist movie. This might seem like kind of a cop out, but I just want more people to see this movie mm -hmm. if they haven't seen it yet. And that is a another heist uh, film from 2007. And that is The Lookout. I heard what happened to you. And everyone was talking about how you woke up this other guy. Were you with a lady tonight? Where'd you meet her? Gary introduced me to her. Host family, right? What's this? Yes, this is a project I've been working on. Why are you taking pictures of a bunch of banks? Because I'm going to rob one. What is this? You know, I need your help. You want me to rob the bank? Don't you want your old life back? You can't give that to me. I was three years ahead of you and I looked up to you. I'm going to help you. How? Whoever has the money has the power. On the night, your job will be the most important job of all. You're the lookout. Yes, I completely forgot about this movie. This is perfect. Yep. Scott um, Frank, uh, writer-director yep. Scott Frank, who, you know, he wrote the screenplay for Logan. He wrote the screenplay for Out of Sight. Mm -hmm. um, he did the, the Queen's Gambit recently, which was fantastic. And personally, the, the movie that I think, another one that stands out, just I, I know we're talking about um, <laughs> The Lookout, but Scott Frank directed a, an insanely underrated crime thriller called uh walk among the tombstones by uh, with liam neeson in 2014 oh, is that why that movie was actually really good um, oh it's so good yeah it's so gnarly i love that is. movie it was such a surprise i went to it with my dad thinking because like we would go to the taken movies together and like we went to the gray which is another great liam neeson movie but um liam neeson so hit or miss <laughs> so yes. Uh, a walk among the tombstones is not like taken three no or, um i remember non-stop <laughs> yeah i yeah i remember i was sick and i was just like i don't want to think okay liam neeson walk among the tombstones streaming i don't have to think i can just watch him punch a whole bunch of people really weirdly because he's 65 um yeah. and then watching this actually really great neo neon noir um grimy um yeah. crime movie was i was just like oh this is a surprise with a horrifying <laughs> horrifying performance from david David Harbour from Stranger Things. Like really he, horrifying. It's, oh my yeah. God. He's yeah. so good. So, so good. Um, and Dan Stevens, of course, the, the hottest man on earth. Really, I think he was created in the lab because no one he should was. be that, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, and no one should be that good looking. Um, but no, The Lookout is a perfect trailer because I think um, Scott Frank's movies can be a little bit forgotten sometimes because you think it's going to yeah. be one thing and then you watch it and you're like, huh, this is actually um, really, really good. It's like, Oh, the guy who did um, uh, Lost City of Z. Uh, he's not. Yeah. They're, they're very different, but you think they're going to be one thing, and you watch it, and with uh, the, James Gray, it's always much more intellectual than you think it's going to be, and with Lookout, it's just much smarter and darker than you think it's going to be. 
totally um, and i can't remember what year looper came out but i do know the look i know yeah the lookout far precedes mm. it um so they, this was like joseph gordon levitt really coming back on the scene yeah and i know he had he had done other indie films like mysterious skin and everything and he's always been like he's a child actor but he's always been very good but the, the whole cast in this movie is an outstanding we have Jeff Daniels, who plays uh, a blind man, mm. and then Matthew Good, who I really like as well. I think he's underrated. Shout out Stoker, which is a movie I love. Yes. Um, yeah, and Isla Fisher. Mm. Isla Fisher, so good. Carla Gugino, who I'm gonna see. I'm gonna see her in person in two weeks, so I'm very <gasps> excited about that. Oh my god! Um, yeah. Her and her and Mike Flanagan are showing Gerald's Game at the local theater down the street for me. So. Oh yes, yeah. that would be amazing. I'm, I, love, I cannot wait. Yeah, I love Gerald's game. Um, I absolutely love it. No, this cast is amazing. And um, no, I'm so happy that you should. I didn't even think of this, which I should have, because it's it is a really smart. Uh, it's a really, really good movie. Again, kind of like Before the Devil. You, it's not the exact movie you think it's going to be. Yeah, and it's, very um, much so. Yeah, it's it's absolutely amazing. Um, I am okay you know what I'm gonna go for the basic and I am gonna do that thing of bringing back Sidley Lumet uh, but because this is his last movie I'm gonna show his first movie the trailer for 12 Angry Men and I say it's not possible I want you to watch this because I don't want to have to do it again I'll make myself about six or seven inches shorter okay it's about right maybe a little more okay a little more Here's what I think happened. How could he be positive about anything? I don't understand you people. I mean, all these picky little points you keep bringing up, they don't mean nothing. You are going to try a man for murder. The awesome power to kill will suddenly be thrust into your hands. Watch them and pray, for someday you may become one of them. Twelve men with the smell of violent death in their nostrils. What's the matter with you guys? Uh, 1957, which shows how long this guy had been friggin' working. I mean, this was meant to be a TV movie. I think he had a TV, no wait, uh, Henry Fonda put money in um, to the movie and was a producer, but this is just, yeah, I mean, it's 12 Angry Men. The guy kind of came out swinging and ended swinging. So yeah, that is my trailer. Awesome. Yeah, no, another great movie. And Sidney Lament will obviously, we'll talk about him more in uh, in the, the main feature talking mm. about Before the Neville Dozier Knows You're Dead. But mm. this guy literally wrote the freaking Bible on filmmaking to me. Like uh, he has a book out called, or had a, he published a book a long time ago called Sidney Lament Making Movies. Mm. And I highly recommend anyone who's interested in filmmaking, pick that one up. You can still get it on Amazon if you want to uh, line Jeff Brazos's pockets. Yes. Um, but yeah, he, uh, the, this, the book goes through like the directorial process and screenwriting and just every all the ins in-betweens and everything that you could want to know and and also his filmography is just like it's pure film school like the before the devil knows you're dead was a big movie for me for for you know understanding story structure and how you can play around with it and how how you need like how just everything about filmmaking you can learn from Sydney Lament I think Yes, I mean, this is, I mean, if you want to know how to make, um, yeah, it's actually, both these movies are really great film school movies, because if you, for 12 Angry Men, if you want to know how to use a confined space, but you still make it cinematic, you watch yeah. 12 Angry Men. If you want to know how to play with story structure, watch Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. I mean, he keeps yeah. coming back and it's, it's, it's amazing. So yeah, I mean, nothing else to say. I mean, it's 12 Angry Men. Um, what is your second trailer? 
my second trailer uh, has absolutely nothing to do with Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. Uh, but and it's a movie that came out a year afterwards. So I, yeah. uh, the only reason I'm playing it is because it highlights another tremendous five-star performance from my mm. favorite actor of all time, Philip Seymour Hoffman, mm. who is just absolutely tremendous in both of these films. But I am choosing John Patrick Shanley's uh, screenplay, screen adaptation of the stage play Doubt. Come up here. Dragon is hungry. It's a new time, sister. The church needs to change. The point being, we should be friendlier. Father Flynn, he called Donald Miller to the rectory. So it's happened. We are going to have to stop him ourselves. What happened in the rectory? Happened? Mm. Nothing happened. I had a talk with a boy. What about? Private matter. He's 12 years old. What could be private? You have the slightest proof of anything. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. Uh, Meryl Streep yes. and Amy Adams and, and, and Viola Davis. Like it's... The, Everyone me, should have been nom nominated that year. I only think yeah. three of them were, but I think Viola Davis should have also gotten the best supporting, but that, that's just yeah. me. <laughs> and the reason the reason I wanted to highlight this one as well is not only because it has the the um, Philip, Philip Seymour Hoffman correlation, but I think that both Before the Devil Knows You're Dead and Doubt are two of my favorite screenplays ever written. Mm. Um, I think they're absolutely ab absolute masterpieces, the way they're put together and um, there's tons of places you can read scripts for free online, but those are two of the ones that really, that I really dug into when I was thinking about, you know, writing my own scripts and everything. And uh, the the movie also just plays a lot with believing in people's intentions and their, like who they actually are as, as people versus what they show to the world. And I think these movies both really highlight that with Doubt and Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. Both no. very depressing films as well. Yes. And added, to, well, Before the Devil um, is sad for another reason because there's a very specific scene with Hoffman and heroin. And I just got yeah. very, very sad. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was just like, oh, I should have. That one ages. It ages different now. It does. <laughs> that scene. That yeah, scene. It hurts. It hurts. It hurts so much. Um, Okay, so because you went for a Hoffman um, trailer, I'm going for a movie that I actually thought for years it was directed by Lamette. It's not, but it's got a really great grimy heist 70s feel, which, of course, that is The Devil Knows You're Dead. It's a very different movie, but I'm going to go for The Taking of Pelham 123, 1974, Ooh. John Sargent. Not Lamette. <laughs> Just like, yeah, wait. not Lamette. 1.23 p.m. A crowded subway train starts its run from Pelham Station in the Bronx. 1.45 p.m. Four desperate, heavily armed men seize control of the train. Open the door or I'll blow your head off. Taking 17 people as hostages. Your attention, please. Now then, you'll all remain seated. Anybody who tries to rise is going to get shot. <laughs> I do hope I have made myself understood. 2.13 p.m. The city of New York is given one hour to come up with a million-dollar ransom. You're out of your skull. No all units stand by on the double. What's up, Z? A train's been hijacked. I, will, I don't know why. It's not like I watched this and went, oh, this is obviously Lamette's camera moves. I just went, yeah, that's directed by Lamette. It's a 70s crime movie. Um, no, this is fun. I mean, talking about movies that have a hell of a cast, I mean, Robert Shaw, um... 
my my boy Marty Balsam, um, Walter Walter Matthau. I mean, this is just one of those movies you watch and you're just like, oh god, this is good. I mean, it's yeah. got the amazing punchline. It is so grimy and seventies, but it's still kind of light, even and action oriented. I don't know. It's it's a great just it's a great movie. <laughs> yeah, with a yeah awesome ensemble cast as well, like mm. the which both films have. Uh, with Before the Devil Knows You're Dead, just yes. a tremendous cast. Yeah, it really does. You're just watching it. It's all the greats of the of the seventies. It's you're just going. I know that guy. I know that guy. There's amazing thing with. Um, with the, the mayor trying to see if they can get around it and realizing how dirty the mayor is. It's just, I mean, you cannot get more New York than the taking of Pelham yeah. because <laughs> even though most of it's underground in the, um, in the, in the subway, I mean, Hector Elizondo is in it. I mean, it's just so yeah, everyone in it is, I think even Jerry Stiller, um, yep, is in Jerry this. Stiller. Yeah. yeah. It's, you just watching this going, it's got all the most amazing New York faces in it and um this movie does and of course it has the famous mr pink mr yellow um thing which uh tarantino definitely picked Re- yeah, up reservoir yeah picked up and ran with um so yeah that is my final trailer before we go into the masterpiece that is before the devil knows you're dead do you need money it's a serious crime it's not as serious as you might think what are you thinking don't ask don't tell it's a jewelry store a mom and pop operation <laughs> You ain't never done this before. Get a gun. You get a toy gun. There's no shooting. You do the driving, I do the thing. Right, 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 right. Stewart. She's what, 60, 70? Don't touch anything. Don't say anything. He's blind as a bat. Look at me. Blind as a bat. Easiest money what we get. That's mom and dad's story. just came apart what am i gonna do um i'm so happy to hear you say the word masterpiece because <laughs> once again another movie i didn't know that if you liked or not yeah. uh, i think because this was the one did i reach out to you about doing this one or did you just know i really love this movie i think you did a th- bit, bit before like you said you really i think i you told me you really love this movie and i reached out and say hey if you ever want to do the devil knows you're dead i'd love to because that um, and then yeah. you came back with Good Time, which is another movie I knew you loved. Um, yeah. But this movie, um, it's one of the best movies of, of the early of the noughts. It's, yeah. I mean, and it is Siddle Limit coming in and teaching all these kind of um, filmmakers, including Tarantino. Oh, you want to play around with, t- with time and narrative? Um, oh, no, this is how you do it. And I'm going to get some of the best actors that have ever worked. Um, it's got two of my friends. I love Ethan Hawke. I love Philip Seymour Hoffman. Marissa Tomei, um, my number Tomei. one babe. Oh my gosh, she is so sexy in this movie. Her yeah. sitting oh, on the bed. Oh, she's always so sexy. I love her so much. Oh my god, but the scene when she's in her underwear sitting on the bed next to Ethan Hawke. Yeah, and I... for me, like seeing that I've already made it clear that I love Philip Seymour Hoffman, but seeing her with a guy like that, I'm like, there's a chance. <laughs> there's a chance. And she loves him. I mean, because yep. she's so... Oh, she's the perfect example of what depression does to you um yeah, totally she's is, so good and this is like so such good. a standout performance in her like absolutely insane career it's i know and i mean albert finney keeps walking away with this movie every single time yep. he puts on his glasses to look at something i'm like oh you are one of the greatest actors i keep forgetting that 
you are because last time I keep remembering a Skyfall when you're like building booby traps in a friggin' Scottish yeah. manor. Um, so good. I keep forgetting that you are also one of the greats and and Rosemary Harris. And Rosemary Harris. I mean, this movie There's has two Aunt Mays in this movie. Two Aunt Mays in this movie and they are both amazing i mean the way she reaches for the gun at the beginning is oh yeah heartbreaking just, oh my god it's she's so lovable like yeah. so lovable like so, i will never forget when i when she's disappointed in peter and spider-man 2 i was like i feel like she's disappointed in me she is and when she's kind <laughs> so of giving good. she gives the um uh oh i can't remember o'brien this look when he's robbing the store of just pure angry and disappointment of like i have to deal with this crap now and i'm like yeah. i'm sorry aren't they <laughs> Oh, I know. Yeah, it's so sad. <laughs> oh, it's so sad. And what happens to it? It's, um, oh my God, this movie. I, 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 I'm just trying to figure this out. Okay, the opening robbery scene is so good because O'Brien obviously does not know what he's doing. Um, he was told not to bring a real gun. He bought a real gun. Um, and just the way he's like, there's an amazing way he like scoot when after he's shot there's an amazing way he scoots across the, the first time there's a way he scoots across the floor on his back that is absolutely amazing it just you you're just watching this movie going oh my god this movie's gonna be great yeah the way he's totally. trying to like bang the glass because what the fuck is with this glass i can't break it instead of like banging in the same spot he just goes to the next spot i mean yeah, and, and then, how how many oh. times how many times him falling through the window comes back in yes. different scenes throughout the movie, and that being like rather than uh, what, what's an example of like you know some of the final Final Destination Four is yeah. fresh on my head because I just saw that piece of shit again, but um, <laughs> like the, having to see the same accident constantly is very annoying yes um but then with before the devil knows you're dead you see him fly, fly through the window like four times and each time it's a completely different scene and i love that so much yeah it's this amazing signal of oh now we're in someone's different point of view and i love yeah. the first time he you see him fly out of the the window all you see is ethan Hawke, who looks like he's about to go shoot the sabotage video for beastie boys <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> And I'm just like, it's kind of setting up these moments of you don't know what's happening. And all of a sudden that image is presented to you and you're just like going, what the fuck? Um, it's, it's an amazing way to start a movie. And yeah, it keeps going back because it's all about this one event of this heist gone wrong. And then you realize that um, Ethan Hawke and Celia, uh, Philip Hoffman, uh, Seymour Hoffman, our brothers, they planned it. Oh, wait. It's their parents' store. Like when you find yeah. all these extra kind of things to it, and you're just like going, "Oh my!" You from the beginning, you know this is not going to end well. But you kind of, as much as Philip Seymour Hoffman is an asshole, you can't help but feel sorry for him and love him because he is able to tap that real pain of someone who yeah. knows he's fucked up but he doesn't know how to fix it um the amazing point that you sort of said that comparing this to good time these brothers have lived pretty well they're high middle class they're not doing badly yeah. i mean even philip seymour hoffman says oh i'm bringing in six figures a year i mean we have a good life um and you but know they just want more because they're accustomed to it they think that they deserve it like deserve well, specifically yeah. philip specifically andy like philip seymour hoffman's character he just is so entitled to yes. what he deserves from this life. And you see the coldness in his heart that um, was probably instilled on him when his parents were busy making them money. Like they, they may not have just, they may not have been bad parents, but this is an example of, you know, there's, there's parents that aren't always super present because they're, they're making money to give their kids the lives that they want to, they, 
think they deserve and then in turn you create kind of a monster exactly i mean of the scene where and the brilliant thing about the script it only gives you hints of that like the conversation after uh rosemary harris's funeral and albert finney is talking to his son andy philip seymour hoffman and he pretty much says i know i wasn't there i know that um you're the eldest you were meant to i wanted you to do things on your own and then that goes yeah but you helped hank yeah but hank's the baby baby um and that hit because i'm the very much the youngest of my family and there's a gap between my brother and sister who were very much okay you need to get jobs raise yourselves kind of thing i'm the baby so i kind of got more um, me too because my dad was the one who was always working trying to give us that kind of life i was made to get a job at 15 which by the way i was horrified by but um i did the same yeah um but that kind of hit it's like oh no i'm i'm hank oh no no um, yeah. but at the same time it's like do i want to be andy no um but it's kind of like that gave you so much of what this family dynamic was and his reaction afterward in the car is so heartbreaking because yes, Andy is a monster. He is selfish. He thinks he deserves more and more because that is the life he was given, but he doesn't want to work for it. Cause you always get the hint that he's stealing from his company. Like even Marissa Tomei goes, yeah, I know you know all the angles. Um, but that scene in the car is just so incredible because it's like, he doesn't get to do that. He doesn't get to apologize for all the shit he's put me through. And it's like, well, no, he probably didn't put you through that much shit. He was just, he wasn't there. That's very different from an abusive family. It's, yeah, the, the script is so good that you only get hints of this. And so you just infer your own experiences and kind of what you know about these characters. It is so good. Yeah, no, I totally agree. There's there's just so many levels to every character that's involved in this story and getting to see like it's Philip Seymour Hoffman and, and uh, Ethan Hawke are clearly like they're the leads, but there is so much emotional depth added with Marissa Tomei's character and Albert Finney's and um, like even uh, Michael Shannon and Amy Ryan when they show up, like there's there's so many levels to to how this accident is and it's affecting everybody around them. It's poisoning this entire group of people around them. And yeah. uh, it's so interesting to watch it play out. And the way that Kelly Masterson wrote the script was like just masterful how that, uh, how it's able to seamlessly, and then you know, Sydney Lament just seamlessly piecing it all together. And it's, it's truly a tremendous piece of filmmaking. Oh, I love Amy Ryan in this movie so much. I mean, yes, so there's good. A, so good. The, the fact that she's just there to say, fuck you, teeth and all. It's amazing. Um, yes. Oh, I have a guy who tries to kill me. Fuck you. I want my money. Um, and how Michael Shannon just comes in all seven foot five of him towering over yeah. everyone and just giving people nicknames. Um, I mean, when he, I mean, Michael Shannon doesn't have a huge role, but when he's in the movie, he's, you're like, oh, he's going to hurt people, isn't he? But he's, he's the force. Yeah. <laughs> he is. He's kind of amazing. That scene when he's like getting his driver's license, Ethan Hawke's driver's license is just, um, it's like, oh no, don't give him that. Don't give him that. <laughs> hey yeah. Chico, hey Chico. <laughs> um, no, everyone, I mean, yeah, I mean, this is suddenly the Matt. So everyone who said, hey, do you want to be in this movie? We're like, fuck yes. Um, but yeah, Marissa Tomei is so good. There's this way she captures, well, the script does, and then she just gives the emotional resonance of someone who is clini- clinically depressed, where all you can think about is yourself because you think you're the worst person in the world. Therefore, everything's your fault. Um, yeah. But at the same time, you're kind of sucking the energy out of the room. By, but it's also 
almost accidental, if that makes sense. Totally. Yeah. Um, and the way she does that is absolutely incredible. I mean, I love her so much. I mean, the moment when she's in, in bed, um, with, uh, Hoffman and he can't get it up. And of course she feels it's her fault. Um, yeah. so it's like, why do you keep me around? I can't even, I'm like, oh my God, it's just, this is exactly it. You're capturing this kind of dynamic of this marriage. Um, and he's trying to make a life to make her happy. I mean, you get the sense he's trying to make her happy, but nothing is going to make her happy. Um, because it's not things. It's not the nice apartment. It's not the money. It's not trips to Brazil. Yeah, it's, it, it's that, himself. It's himself. And it's, but that's kind of what he was taught from his father is that, oh, I will work. He's not working as hard as his father, obviously, but he learned the wrong, long lessons there. But he's like, no, things will make you happy. And it's like, mm -mm, nope, that's, that is, she needs multiple different, she needs medication. She needs therapy. She needs a whole host of other things to try and get her brain chemical right. And he's just like, I'll just give you a trip to Brazil. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. It's yeah. That's such an, that's one of the main, like just themes that is spread through this entire film is just, you know, self-worth and, and the difference between that and, and success and, and what people think that they're deserving of. And I think that they, the movie just does such a good job of exploring all of those territories. Mm. And it's just so heartbreaking. The The movie itself is just heartbreaking on, on multiple different levels, but I think it's also heightened by the score, which makes it feel like kind of like a modern noir. It really and does. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's tragic and emotional and, and just getting to watch all of these actors just absolutely run a clinic on the screen. It's, it's so, so enjoyable to watch. Oh, you can tell that they're loving it. There's a scene where Hoffman and Hawk are just screaming at each other. But you can kind of tell the look in their eyes of like, oh my God, we get to do this? We get to play this scene? This is incredible. Oh, um, yeah. There's a lot, so much in that. Um, and I know Finney, by the time he got into old stage, could check out when he wasn't, when he was drinking too much or kind of whatever. But there is such an attention to detail of when he puts his glasses on, when he doesn't, when he's upset. Because yeah. this is a man you only see... Finney in absolute grief. He has lost his soulmate. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of all you kind of know him for. So these are small attentions to details when he's kind of yelling at the cop on the phone. It's like, no, I don't want to leave a message because you can tell the cops just do not care. The guy was shot. There is nothing else to know about. They're not even worried about the getaway driver. Um, and he, but he wants to know. He wants to know everyone who hurt his wife and the fact that he had to make a decision to take her off life support. It is... Oh my God, he just, yeah, a movie with Philip Seymour Hoffman, no one should be able to steal the movie away from him, but kind of Albert Finney kind of does. And I love it for that. Yeah, that's that's one thing that I just love about Philip Seymour Hoffman in general is like in all of his movies, it seems like he 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 is so, he's on such a, and obviously Albert Finney's a, uh, an absolute classic actor. Mm. Like he's, He's tremendous, but it, Philip Seymour Hoffman has, has so much grace with other actors on screen, and I love watching him. Like, there, he can he has the full ability to steal a scene from anybody at any given time, mm. but he's always letting other people flourish as well. And like, I feel like that's really highlighted between him and Ethan Hawke. Yes, um, like there's the the one famous scene with the gunshot and everything, where mm. it's just it, it's going back and forth between these two absolute five star a-list actors who are just tremendous and um seeing them all kind of have a mutual respect for each other is is another thing that i really took away from this recent watch yeah you're right because i love ethan hawk um 
a lot every time he's in a movie even if it's not the best movie i'm like oh he's going to be amazing but he tends to choose projects where he knows that there's something about it that you can just go oh yeah no this is this is good this is gonna work um and but philip seymour hoffman every single time i watch a movie of his now i feel sad and this is already a sad movie but yeah. the fact that we should have gotten another 20 years of performances from him and he could do everything he could be the shitty best friend which was what he was in his earlier career to the master to this to doubt to um capote to capote <laughs> mission impossible three like oh my mission has, uh, yeah he has then, no ra- like his range knows no bounds yeah and then so you watch him in this um and i'm like oh we should have gotten more performances from you because this is incredible i mean when marissa tomei is leaving him and she goes aren't you gonna get angry i'm sleeping with your brother and he has no reaction because he's just like yeah i'm checked out i'm done everything's falling apart i don't know what to do anymore and now you okay where are you gonna stay okay here's cab money i i can't i can't deal with this yeah but totally it's but him when he's when you see him taking heroin there's an added sadness there because i'm just like no don't do it <laughs> um yeah. and it'll forever be no it'll forever be remembered constantly when this movie's revisited for people who love his work as much as we clearly do and yeah. it's it's heartbreaking but at the same time it's like just another amazing performance it is because when he's talking about himself and he's he's getting high it's never taken heroin actually the two drugs in these movies i've never taken so i can't sort of say what the experience is like but it's um yeah he's kind of clearing like no i can see what i'm meant to be doing but myself i can't quite put the pieces together and this is how why limit is the greatest the way you see the drug dealer first he grabs the gun puts it behind looks to see who it is lets hoffman in hoffman just kind of wanders it makes you sit in these moments like he's just wandering around taking off his shirt slowly and you're kind of wondering why he's there you know it's something dodgy and the fact that it's up so high and you can kind of see the Chrysler building, I think it's the Chrysler, um, and all this kind of thing. And then you realize, oh, this is, he's, this is like a, a morphine den. He's, he's taking heroin and he's sitting there just talking and it kind of just makes you sit in the moment. And then, so when they go back to rob him, the geography of that, of that apartment is already sorted. Um, so you don't have to do anything else. It's this brilliant mirror, mirroring of of that moment and you're like this is why lament is the master this is exactly why he's one of the great directors because he's doing this and he's making you linger in it yeah no absolutely there's not enough good things that could be said about just like the overall craftsmanship of the entire film and it just makes it it's such an enjoyable enjoyable and harrowing watch for all the reasons that we've already covered <laughs> i know it's just kind of like this is turning into a sort of gush kind of thing but you're just watching it going Oh my God, he was like in the 70s. This is a guy who's been working since the 50s and it's 2007 and he's still uh, yeah. doing I love this. that. Yeah, and it's the same with like, you know, we're having, getting, I still haven't seen Benedetta yet, but Paul Verhoeven directing movies like that is just insane to me. And, you know, um, uh, oh my God, I can't believe I'm drawing a blank on uh, Mad Max. Uh, oh, George Miller, yeah. George Miller, yeah. Like what, he was like 74 when he made yeah. Fury Road. Like just fucking insanity that then Scorsese, like it's, it's amazing and it gives me hope for um knowing what we're going to get from uh what's his name uh the, uh, the joke failed i was going to say the media tyler perry yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah i forget how long he's been working it's like what he's made 50 movies what <laughs> yeah no kidding 
<laughs> um, but when you had, well, you've got, he's got a studio in Atlanta, he's doing good. But yeah, it's, um, no, it's, it's so, yeah, you get these sort of directors who just keep coming back and going, oh, remember how good I am? I think you're really going to love Benedetta. I have a feeling you're going to watch that and just go. Yeah. I'm sure I'm going to. Yeah, yeah. From what I've heard about it, it sounds like something that I'm going to be pretty stricken by. It sounds <laughs> it's, wild. It's wild. And yet it is so contained and so thoughtful that you forget that he does have that thoughtful side because you just think, oh, yeah, yeah. he's outlandish. He is yeah. Smart, and this guy made Hollow Man. This guy made Hollow Man. And then you watch Benedetta <laughs> and you're like, this is the exact movie I thought it was going to be. And yet it's nothing like I thought it was going to be. It's, it's, yeah. it's insane. Um, but yeah, it, oh God. I mean, this movie, I mean, Mike, we've already mentioned Michael Shannon, but he is so good in this movie and his like two scenes. Um, you kind of realize he's all talk because the fact that, you know, Hoffman is able to sort of get, to shoot him pretty much straight away. Um, but Hoffman killing people is something you don't see in a movie the fact that he has to keep psyching himself up to do it like he's getting into berserker mode yeah but totally the... you see that he's just absolutely emotionally drained he's got yes. nothing left in his eyes yeah and he's just like the when he's i mean the first time he kills someone it's actually um a guy high on the bed um and he has to get the pillow and he has to go <sighs> he like psychs himself yeah. up to shoot and it's it's kind of this amazing moment of he knows what he has to do but yet he has to still gain whatever emotion or kind of thing he has left in his body which is not much to actually do it and then when he's putting the gun at ethan hawk and ethan hawk's like yeah he'd be doing me a favor it's the saddest thing i've ever seen it's like yeah oh no these all these people are done they just don't want to do anything anymore and um but this movie still manages to be funny i don't know why i was laughing through a lot of it which i feel bad about um the way ethan hawk runs, runs away with the money at the end is just yeah it's he's he's such a like fumbling idiot he was out of his element yes. in a lot of ways and he's so um like everyone else is so they they seem like they know what they're doing with their lives and hawk is just kind of stumbling through life and being a product of everything that's around him and you know getting into the shit that his brother puts him in and that's why it's this is such a i didn't even realize just how perfect of a double this is with good time yeah he is a bumbling idiot he doesn't he has no kind of again you feel sorry for him but you realize that he's put himself in this situation multi He's, he's just a weak person he's too, a weak, you can tell. Exactly. I mean, he does everything his brother says. And the moment he says, it's a mom and pop story, he says, that's mom and dad story, we can't do that. But at the same time, he does. He yep. fully goes, okay, I will I will do this. I will um, get someone involved. I will, I will do it. But he does everything wrong. And even when he's back on child support and they're arguing, and he's like, do you know how much the school costs? He's like, you're the one who put it, wanted to put her in that school. Um, you could have made a decision not to put her in the expensive school, but you did. Um, and again, it's all these kind of decisions of, I need to live this life that costs money. Yet, um, I don't have that kind of money, but I want to have the facade of living in the nice apartment, sending my kid to the private school, wanting to send her to the lion king and that's such a sad moment when he can't yeah. do it because he was relying on the money from the heist to send to send it to the to lion king and it's such a gut punch moment and yeah, my favorite modes of ethan hawk are when he's being a schlubby dad or kind of being um someone who's out of control who's not in control of the situation um and this gives me both like i am fully on ethan hawk in this movie because i'm getting both modes he is a schlubby dad and he is a 
doofus. <laughs> yeah, no, totally agree. He's the he's the heartbeat of the film in yeah. a lot of ways. Like you really, he's the one that you can latch on to, and uh, and yeah, he's he's just so good. And and the guy, he shows that you know, much like Philip Seymour Hoffman and Marissa Tomei, they have so so much range what they're oh. able to do. Yeah, so much range. I don't think that sort of Ethan Hawke and Marissa Tomei get enough credit for the range that they're able to to do. I mean, every movie Marissa Tomei is in, she is amazing. Um, And I don't think she gets enough credit. And even when she won her Oscar, people were like going, oh, did they read the wrong name? It's like, no, because have you seen My Cousin Vinny? She's amazing in that movie. Yeah, no, she is. She's so good in that movie. Yeah, so it's kind of... Because she is also, a, I don't know if it's because she's also a stunningly beautiful woman or yeah. it's when they don't realize that she can actually do all this kind of thing. And um, even as Aunt May, it's I know it's a running joke that everyone falls in love with her because she's so good looking, but she's also the heart of those movies in a weird way because she's the yeah. one that's raising Peter and all that kind of thing. So no, I everyone's just really good in this movie <laughs> yeah everyone's great and this is yeah this is such a solid double feature it really I hope, is i hope people pair this up this is no, a, it's a good one it really is i watched them in sort of reverse which also worked um just because you get the sort of slow kind of building tension um the way lamette makes you sit in that movie and the way that you know where because this has multiple timelines kind of crisscrossing and it's from everyone's different point of view and again as we said it's when o'brien the guy just falls out of the b after being shot out of the window and you know every single time okay right i'm in another point of view i'm either with two days beforehand with uh hoffman or i'm with ethan or i'm with um albert finney and you never feel lost i mean i know they had little things to say oh two days beforehand or such and such but you don't need it actually yeah no i totally agree yeah um yeah this is an amazing double and thank you so much for suggesting it because i got to geek out about both these movies and they are incredible um yeah thank you i i absolutely love being able because you know like i i love horror it's it's my heart and everything but uh, i love being able to talk about other movies that i love as well and these are just two, these are two of the tops for me. Like I, I love both of them and I love this whole crime thriller subgenre. So it was really, it was really awesome being able to talk to you about them. No, I love crime thrillers. It's probably my favorite with horror very, very close underneath, but I think there's a right, they do have connective tissue, but they are completely different things. And just the breadth of what they can do, you see this in this double, like this is what crime movies can do, especially when people don't know what they're doing. Um, yeah. Before we go, please tell people where they can find your good work. Um, okay, so yeah, you can follow me on Instagram personally at Blair Mitch 666, uh, 666, yep. And um, you can follow our short film, The Druid's Hand, at The Druid's Hand on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, we're most active on Instagram mm-hmm. uh, for all of these platforms, all of these things. Um, and same with The Terror Table, our horror movie podcast. Uh, which by the time you hear this, we'll have an episode out on all five Final Destination films. It was a really, really fun discussion with our, our buddy Kyle, who's who's moving on to some other things right now. And uh, yeah, we just always keep the conversation on horror over there. And you're going to be able to hear Lindsay again on there at some point soon, I'm sure as well. No, I would love to. Um, but no, I love I love the terror table. I love the different guests you have some of the most smartest people can come on and just break down the likes of hereditary and um <laughs> oh yeah she which Cassie, puts that movie she's to bed. she's cash yeah. she's amazing um or your ex 
um which is some of my favorite shows i'm like i'm so glad that i love the fact that you have a good relationship oh yeah (laughs) because i don't think i have any of that with my exes (laughs) took a lot of work took a lot of work but no yeah she's one of my good friends so that's Um, good to hear that you enjoy that oh i love it so much and then or you have the goofballs on from oh i can't remember the chronicle let's talk about stuff yes those guys where you know they're a blast yeah it's you have all these kind of range of guests and it's absolutely amazing um you haven't done a Candyman episode, have you? It just keeps popping up. Or have you actually done a Candyman? <laughs> we we did we did the original Candyman, yeah. and it was like our first like ten episodes. But um, we got rid of those a long time ago. I, don't, yeah. I still can't fully remember why. But um, yeah, no, we have done that. But I don't think we've done the remake. We just always talk about it. Yeah, it's you, great. It is great. I love that you do a show like you did with Hereditary. It's like, all right, we're putting this movie to bed. This movie's amazing. Yeah. Let's spend two hours. Yeah, um, we don't need to talk about it every episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I love it. It's like someone else goes, oh, it's all Candyman. It's like, yes. Um, yeah. It's it's great. So please listen to The Terror Table because it is so much fun. And I've enjoyed listening um, to you three and whoever else you get on there. Um, I wish uh, Say hi to Kyle for me. Um, yeah, absolutely. Thank um, you. Yes. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on and giving up some time of your very busy schedule to talk about these movies. It has been a blast. Um, if you want to follow Schlock and Awe, you can at Schlock and Awe 1 on both Twitter and Instagram. Um, and if you want to follow me, it's on Reading Geek, that and Letterboxd. Um, and yeah, this was amazing. And uh, yeah, I cannot wait to see uh, Druid's Hand when it comes out. It's going to be, um, I know it's going to be good. It's going to be, yeah, because I know your, thank you. I know your I sensibility. I, so yeah, it's going to be, hope I be don't well. disappoint. <laughs> <laughs> um, and with that, um, we will be back for next week with another double feature. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you.